Good morning. It's good to be with you this morning. Good to see each of you here. I would like to uh, take this opportunity for thanking the elders for the opportunity to speak with you this morning. And I'd like to thank each of you. You were warned in the bulletin, and yet here you are. So it's good to have each of you here this morning. As individuals who live upon this earth, we all are familiar that we are going to experience trials and troubles while we live upon this earth. I think no story illustrates that more than the story of the kindergarten teacher. It had been a long winter's day. Her little charges were getting their clothes on and getting ready to leave at the end of the day. There was one particular little boy who had put his little feet in the boots and couldn't get them on. He was struggling mightily with them. So she goes over there to help that small boy get his boots on. And even with her help, she struggled and she struggled. And finally, working up quite a sweat, she got those boots on that little boy. Oh, that little boy looked up at her and smiled and said, they're on the wrong feet, teacher. She looked down, and sure enough, they were on the wrong feet. So she takes a deep breath, and she tries to get those boots off. And they were no easier coming off than they were putting on. But she finally got them off. And then she changes the shoes over, puts them on the correct feet, and after labor and toil and sweat, she gets those boots on. That little child looks at her and says, These are not my boots. She didn't know whether to laugh or to cry or scream. So, once again, she toils, she labors. She takes those boots off that little child. He looks up at her and says, these are my brother's boots, but my mom told me I had to wear them. <laughs> she actually whimpered. Once again, she puts those boots back on that little child with trouble and sweat, and she knows tears in her eyes. She gets those boots back on, and then she puts that coat on that dear child. She puts this little cap on, and she says, Honey, Where's your mittens? He said, I put them in the toes of my boots. <laughs> That's adversity. That's trial. Now this morning we're going to look at a story of a king. A king in the Old Testament who faced trial, trouble, adversity. Paul said that the things that are written beforehand are written for our learning. Let's turn together the second chronicles the 20th chapter and let's learn from God's word together now while you're turning there second chronicles the 20th chapter let's review and understand the scriptures that we're about to study we first read of Jehoshaphat in the 17th chapter as brother Caleb read the scriptures there we find that Jehoshaphat gives himself totally over to God he sought the Lord. He walked in the ways of the Lord. He leads his nation. 
He was king of the nation of Judah. He leads his nation to the Lord. And furthermore, he sends teachers throughout the land to instruct the people in God's word. And we see that because of this, God blesses all that Jehoshaphat does. And he has no wars. He has peace. Does that mean he's a perfect man? No. No, he's not. Because we read in chapter 18, he makes two big mistakes because of his alliance. His alliance with the king of the northern kingdom of Israel. Now, the king of the northern kingdom was Ahab. And he had a wicked wife named Jezebel. And they were the most evil, Ahab was, of any of the kings of Israel. Well, Jehoshaphat seeks to align himself militarily with Ahab to disastrous results. He almost gets killed in battle. The second mistake that he made is a political alliance seeking to unify the two nations of Israel and Judah. He arranges a marriage between his son and the daughter of Ahab and Jezebel. And that brought ruin ultimately to his son, to his family, and to his nation. In chapter 19, we see he continues his spiritual reforms, which brings us to chapter 20 as we study it today. Verse 1 and 2, chapter 20, 2 Chronicles. It happened after that, after the reforms, after all this went before, it happened after this that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and others with them besides the Ammonites came to battle against Jehoshaphat. Then some came and told Jehoshaphat, saying, A great multitude is coming against you from beyond the sea, from Syria, and they are in Hazazon, Tamar, which is in Gedi. We see in these two verses the enemy is approaching. Now, if you will visualize a map of Israel, we have the Dead Sea here. On the western side of the northern part of the Dead Sea, you have Jerusalem. On the eastern part of the Dead Sea, at the northern part of it, you have the country of Ammon. At the center part, you have uh, Moab. And at the further end of the Dead Sea, you have Edom. Now those three countries, Ammon, Moab, and Edom, they join a confederacy of nations. All of them had been enemies of Israel. They could never defeat Israel. So they get the idea of combining their nations together. Now, the easiest way in is through the northern part of the Dead Sea to come over the way the children of Israel entered the Promised Land, cross the Jordan River, and enter, and Jerusalem sitting right there. But they wanted a surprise attack. So those three nations and their confederated armies, they come around at the end of the Dead Sea, and they come up, and they're sneaking up on Jerusalem. Now, as our scripture opens for today, we find that they're almost there. They're just about 20 or 25 miles from Jerusalem. They've been caught unaware. He is in a predicament. What is he to do? The enemy is at the door. Look at verses 3 and 4, what he did. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord. And proclaimed the fast throughout all Judah. 
So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord. And from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Before all else, notice what he didn't do. He didn't check on his armies. He didn't send his generals to say, where is everybody? Let's get everybody together. And then take time to pray. No, the first thing that he did was to pray. The scripture says that he sought God. He turned to him. Now, we've already seen in chapter 17 that he already had a relationship with God. When those times were good, he already walked hand in hand with God. So when times turned bad, it was only natural for him to turn to God. And he will pray. He will pray. Not as something of last resort. Not when all else fails. But he will pray because that is what he knows he needs to do. When trouble comes, it will help each of us if we have a relationship with God. If we have been walking hand in hand with God. If we know God, if we know His Word, if we know His promises, it will help us when that hour of trial comes as we turn to the Lord as Jehoshaphat did. Oh, I would love to have a leader like Jehoshaphat. With all the problems that's facing this country today, I would love to have a leader who gets up before the United States today and declares for one week there will be no labor. Nobody will be working. We will recommend and we will tell the people of this country that they will go to their churches. They will pray. They will turn to God. They will confess their sins. They will declare their dependence upon God for their salvation. I want a leader like that. But I know I won't get one. For this country has too much faith in its army. Too much faith in its might. In its great weapons. They think no one can defeat us. This nation has even went on to declare that they do not need God. So this nation, since 1973, has aborted 50 million babies. And they call it choice. They condone and they support homosexuality and they call it a right. This nation has turned its back upon God. They want to remove any mention of God from this society. What can we do as Christians? Exactly what Alan did this morning. Pray. As he prayed for our leaders. That they would come to God. Best thing we can do. If we can't have one, we need to pray for what we have. Jehoshaphat sought God. The scripture says that he led the people as he asked the Lord for help. And notice his prayer. Notice his prayer, verses 5 through 9. Verse 5. Then Jehoshaphat stood in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. Can you picture that in your mind? Can you see Jehoshaphat elevated before the people? The people of Jerusalem and Judah as they're just fanned out before him. And he's aggressing the multitude of his people. Verse 6. 
Notice the prayer. O Lord God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And do you not rule over all the kingdoms of the nations? And in your hand is there not power and might so that no one be able to withstand you? He begins this prayer by addressing God and talking about the power of God. See, he needs to remind himself and he reminds his people that they serve a great and powerful God. We need that reminder as well. We need to be reminded of that. We're not helpless. We serve a great God that can do all things. All things are possible through Him. Jehoshaphat knew that, and he reminded his people. Verse 7, Are you not our God who drove out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and gave it to the descendants of Abraham your friend forever. He reminds the people of the promises of God. Have you not done this before? Have you not done all of this in our lives? We too, friends, need to remember all that God has done in our life. All the ways that He has blessed us. All the times that He has been there for us. When we have faced trial and adversity, temptation and struggles. God has been there. Verse 8 and 9. And they dwell in it and have built you a sanctuary in it for your name, saying, If disaster comes upon us, sword, judgment, pestilence, or famine, we will stand before this temple and in your presence, for your name is in this temple, and cry out to you in our affliction, and you will hear and say, he reminds the people of the promises of God. We need that reminder, and it's right before us. The promises of God is found in His Word. All we have to do is read it. We need to remember then, as Jehoshaphat did, the power of God, how God has been there for us, and the great promises that God has given unto us today. His prayer focused on how great God was. His prayer focused on the past work of God and the precious promises of God. We need to fill our prayers with those same things. We need to fill our prayers with God's greatness and not the greatness of our problems. When we go to God in prayer, what's the first thing we do? We mention our problem. How bad it is. We need to change our mindset to how great and how good and how wonderful God is. We need to remind ourselves what the greater is. Our God and not our problem. Now, only in verses 10 and 11 do we find that Jehoshaphat mentions the problem. He says, And now, here are the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, that's Edom, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and did not destroy them. If you remember when Moses was leading the people of children of Israel into the promised land and they came to the, the south end of the Dead Sea, instead of going the direct route up, God said, no, 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 don't go through those lands. That's where the Edomites and the Moabites and the Ammonites live. You go around them. It was trouble, it was further away, but God said, respect their lands. 
So they did. They entered into the northeast part above the Dead Sea. Now Jehoshaphat said, these same people that you made our forefathers respect, look what they do. Verse 11, here they are rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession, which you have given us to inherit. He said, how do they reward us for the care, for the consideration that we gave them? They're trying to throw us out of your possession. Giving God the notice. Giving God the, 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 the ways of, of, of looking at this that all things are His. They've been given to us only by Him allowing us to be stewards of it. He says it is your possession, not ours. You've only let us dwell on it. Beautiful prayer on the part of Jehoshaphat. Now look at verse 12. Uh, verse 12. O oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us. Nor do we know what to do. But our eyes are upon you. What do we do? What do we do? Jehoshaphat said, I don't know what to do. I don't know whether to keep the soldiers here and shore up our defenses. I don't know whether to send out an army to try to uh, stop the advance of the enemy. I, I, I don't know whether to try to weaken them. I don't know whether to try and wait for reinforcements. I don't know what to do. Sometimes we need to declare that in our life. You know, we all try to be self-sufficient. We all try to be masters of our own fate. But sometimes we just need to recognize and state the obvious. I don't know what to do. But God does. There's a wonderful saying that says, I may not know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds tomorrow. We need to attest our faith in God. Sometimes just say, Lord, I don't know, but I know you do. But I know you do. And notice what he says. He says, our eyes are upon you. Our eyes are upon you for advice, for direction, for guidance, for help, for protection. He is saying we come in faith, we come in, in hope, and we come in expectation for your deliverance and for your salvation. What about us? What about us? Take a moment and think. Where are our eyes at this morning? What are we looking to? Where do we look? Where do we turn to? When we are facing trials and adversity, when trouble is at the door, when the enemy is at the gate, where do we turn to? Are our eyes this morning upon the Lord? Notice verse 13. Now all Judah, with their little ones, their wives and their children, stood before the Lord. I love this verse. Notice what that verse says. Families need to stand together before the Lord. And I'm going to say that again. Families need to stand together before the Lord. I love looking out here and seeing mom and dad and children sitting together. 
I love dads who stand up and declare just as Joshua did so many years ago. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I love men, elders, who will stand up and who will they declare, this church will be pure, who will guard this church from sin and false teaching entering in, who will guard this church and defend the faith. I love seeing men and women stand up in the community who are not ashamed to declare their faith in God, their belief in His Word and His will, to declare unto the whole world, I am a Christian and I am proud of it. It all begins here with families coming together as one. Strong role model in Dad. Families coming together to serve the Lord. Verse 14, Joshua had prayed this prayer. The Lord is about to answer. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jeiel, the son of Manaiah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, in the midst of the assembly. And he said, and notice, God will be speaking through this individual. These are the words of God. Listen, all of you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you, King Jehoshaphat, thus says the Lord to you, Do not be afraid, not dismayed, because of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours, but God. Notice what he said. This battle, this fight is not yours. Oh, yeah, they're the ones faced with the enemy, but those three nations have chosen to make war with God. For us today, those times may, stand, may be lonely when we stand up as Christians, when we stand up and we defend the faith. But know this, that the atheists, the secularists, the humanists, they've called out God. And they have chosen to make war with Him. And know today, just as God stood by His people in the times of Jehoshaphat, God will stand by His people today as well. Verse 16. Still the revelation from God. Tomorrow go down against them. They will surely come up by the accent of this. And you will find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. So he says, tomorrow. Tomorrow? Tomorrow? What about today? What about now? You know, it's hard to wait on tomorrow when life is raining down upon us today. But sometimes God calls for us to wait. Tomorrow? Tomorrow may be the next day. Tomorrow may be next week. Tomorrow may be next month. Tomorrow may be next year. But through faith, as Christians, as children of God, we wait because God's time is not our time. God will move. God will act. It's for us to wait in faith. Now notice what he tells them. Verse 17 then. You will not need to fight in this battle. Position yourselves. Stand still. And see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear or be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, 
for the Lord is with you. He said, you come out tomorrow and you don't have to fight. You don't have to do anything. All I want you to do is stand still. Wait a minute. Let me see if we got this right. We come out as a great people. We come out, we're not prepared for war. We come out and we're to face this huge confederated army. Men as far as you can see, prepared for battle. Armies equipped with spears and with bows and arrows. With shields and with chariots and with horsemen. We're to come out and we're to do what? Stand still. Stand still in the face of danger. You know how hard that is? You know how hard that is? Let me illustrate a point. Several, about a couple years ago, I was walking throughout the neighborhood. Now, the dogs in the neighborhood used to be a problem. They're not now. Used to carry a golf club with me. And there was one particular house when Charlotte and I would walk by. There was a vicious dog in that yard. He would come right out and he would snarl and he would bark and he'd bare his teeth and the drool would come out. And it was a big old hateful mean dog. But that dog never came out at us. That dog wore a shock collar. He'd come to the edge of the yard and I knew that he would not touch me. Well, one Saturday morning, I was walking by myself going by that yard, watching the dog approach, and the next thing I know, the dog is out in the yard, going from the yard to the road. Shock collar had tore up. There that dog was at my leg, at my feet, snarling, teeth bared, big, mean, vicious-looking thing. I had my golf club raised, and we got into a barking and a shouting match with one another. I'll leave it to you which was barking and which was shouting. But this kept at it till the homeowner heard the commotion. He comes out. He tries to get that dog off of me. That dog gives him that look. No, dude, I ain't moving. So he comes to me. You're going to have to put your golf club down and stand still. I tell him the same thing the dog did. No, dude, I ain't moving. <laughs> so he tries to get that dog off me again. That dog, hmm, ain't done it. He ain't moving. So, he says to me, you have to put your club down and stand still. Do you know how hard it is to stand still when every nerve in your body is screaming, do something. See, that's how we're made. That's how we're created. We've got this thing called fight or flight. The adrenaline pumps up within us. And we're, that prepares us for battle or that prepares us with strength to flee. Standing still, it's not natural. But what did the Lord tell them to do? You stand still. You stand there and you watch that enemy advance. You watch those soldiers who have one in ten and that is to destroy you. You stand still. So look at verse 18. After they hear the word of the Lord, and Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem bowed before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. Now I want to encourage you this afternoon. Go home, finish reading this chapter. It's a beautiful chapter on the salvation of God. And how Jehoshaphat shows his faith. I'm going to give you a little clue. I'll give you a hint of what happens. 
when he marches the people out, do you know who he puts in the forefront? His singers. Not his mighty men of valor, but his singers. It's like when we would go out here. There would be Jeff and there'd be Leonard and there'd be Stanley. And they would be leading us, singing praises to God. That's how they met the enemy. Read the rest of the chapter. Look at the salvation of God. This morning, we've looked at this beautiful chapter of the faith of one man. The faith of one man. How his example brought a nation back to God. One good leader can make a difference. I'm going to repeat that again. One good leader can make a difference. One good man, one good woman can make a difference, people. We need, each of us, we need to be following the people that follow God. I'm going to repeat that again in case you didn't hear that. We need to be following the people that are following God instead of following party and instead of following our paycheck and our pocketbook. It matters. It makes a difference. 1 Peter 3 verse 12 says, The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. That's a promise. And that's comforting. Where are our eyes at? Are our eyes upon the Lord? Or are they upon this world? Do, what do we look to? What do we turn to? Where are we putting our faith today? It needs to be in God. It needs to be in God's salvation. For He has given us His Son so that we might live. This morning, have you turned to God? Through faith in His Word, if you believe, dedicate your life this morning that you're going to stand up for God, that you are going to make a difference. One good man, one good woman can make all the difference. Or if you're here this morning, you've heard God's Word, you believe it, and you've resolved to repent of your sins, you know that you're outside the child of the, of the family of God and you want to be part of that family. The invitation is about to be extended unto you to come forward, to confess your faith that Jesus Christ is the Son of God before God and man, and to be baptized for the remission of your sins. To begin your life of faith and walk with God. Or if there be those of you in attendance this morning. Who have once named God as your Savior. But have fallen away. That have taken your eyes off of Him. And you need to be restored into your first love. And ask for the prayers of this congregation. Whatever you need this morning. Won't you let it be known. As we stand and sing.